Well, we've been in our series, uh, Neighbors, and we've been talking about inviting people to church, and, uh, and I, hope, I hope that everybody's having a, a, a good time doing that. On your seat today, when you came in, you should have found there was a card like this, okay, um, and a card here. And we want to encourage everybody to take, uh, take one or two or three, or if you need more, there's some over at the uh, Welcome Center. And uh, just invite your neighbors. It's easier than you think. And, um, and, it, and it could really work out to be something very important. You know, and that's what I want us to jump into today. I want us to talk about is that, that this isn't just about inviting people to church. It's not just about getting people to, to come to church. What we're talking about today is eternal issues, uh, and, and I, I hate to go for something just really light and fun and to get a little heavy, but, but you know what, it, it really is a little heavy, because we're talking about things that not only impact people's lives now, but really throughout eternity. In John chapter uh, 4, we, uh, Chris, I think, uh, alluded to this scripture, or mentioned this scripture when he was uh, a few weeks ago, but... You know, one of the things that, uh, that Jesus told to the, said to the woman that he met at the well, he says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. He says, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. You know, if you're in Jesus Christ, then already you are living an eternal life. I, I love that they put the next verse in this section of scripture and the woman said to him and said, sir, give me the water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She said, hey, listen, if you're given eternal life, then I want that. You know, it, 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 there really is something in us. There's something, I think, innate in us. There's something that, that's been put into us. The scripture says it like this, says eternity is bound up in the hearts of people. That, that people want to know what's going to happen next. Is this all there is to this life? Is it just live any way you want, do what you want, and then, then just get out of here as quickly as possible? No, we know that there's, there's got to be more to the plan. There's got to be more to the program than just what we experience here, and there really is. There's an eternity to come. And so when we're talking about bringing people, inviting people to church, and coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're talking about issues that impact people's eternities. And, and I hope that the weight of that will, will rest on us. You know, we, we, we pick up on this again as we go back to our foundational scripture for the series, um, Neighbors, found out of Luke chapter 10, you remember the story where uh, a lawyer, one who was schooled in all of the religious laws and things, he comes to Jesus and he, the scripture says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to test him, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, it wasn't just a focus on what was going on in you know, this life and how can I be successful as a business person and how can I meet all the, the standards and check off all the boxes in this life. But he says, what about eternal life? What, what about what goes on beyond just uh, what happens in this life? And that's what he's curious about. And, and that's the response to that. That's the response where, where Jesus then said this. He said, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he came to this answer. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And don't, don't miss this here, that, that, that eternity, 
is wrapped up with people loving God and then loving their neighbors. That, that's, that's part of the plan of eternity. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Do it and you'll live. We see it here. We're dealing with eternal issues. And, and when we talk about eternal issues, we're always talking about issues of the heart. We're talking about uh, issues that, that, that go beyond just physical existence, just by what goes beyond just what happens in the flesh. We're talking about things that, that, that deal with the heart. Now, in, in scriptural times, in Bible times, when, when they talked about the word heart, they weren't just talking about the, <coughs> excuse me, the physical heart that beats and pumps. That they were talking about an inner part of man. They were talking about the person's being. They were talking about um, who that person was, how they thought. They were talking about the, the character uh, of the person. So, so the heart symbolized who the person really was. You've probably heard the scriptures there, you know, that says, you know, that, um, that out of the abundance of the heart, you know, a man thinks, and as a man is in his heart, so is he. And, and um, Proverbs chapter 23, verse uh, 7 says that, as a man thinks in his heart, as he reasons, as he ponders in his heart, that that's what he's going to be. That's what's going to come out of him. That's who he's, how he's going to exist. And then they also thought they they, um, this is kind of interesting. We could this would doesn't apply today, but but when they talked about uh, the bowels, they talked about the inner part of man. They thought that life and the character and the the being was in the heart, but then inside, in this kind of just in our gut, you know, was where the emotions came from, and and that's probably you've probably heard that scripture. We're in First John. Uh, it talks about it says if you see your neighbor in need. Do not shut up your bowels of compassion. That's where love and emotion and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever just loved someone, man? It just kind of makes you sick to your stomach and you can't eat. And, and that's, uh, that guys, again, that's a good time where you'll probably just nod your head there and go, oh, yeah, look at your wife. That's you, baby. I'm talking about you, right? So, and, um, but, but, but that's what they saw. And, and, and the scripture said this, it says in John, uh, 1 John three seventeen, if you see your neighbor in need, do not shut up your bowels of compassion. So, so don't shut up our bowels. Let the, let, let our compassion flow and, and let's use that compassion. Then it says, if you see your neighbor in need, let's use that compassion to minister to our neighbor. You remember our foundational scripture, Jesus started talking about the story of the Good Samaritan, and, and he, he praises the Good Samaritan. He makes the Good Samaritan the hero of the story because that he expressed compassion, that out of his heart, he expressed compassion to the person in need. I, I'm telling you that as, as we become Christians, as as we are people who are born again, anybody here born again this morning? Anybody here saved? Raise your hands one more time. I just want to do a check. Oh, I, oh okay. I was just confirming some of the suspicions that I'd had there. But uh, all right. No, but, but when we are born again, when we, are, when we experienced a, a personal and a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, then things begin to change in our lives. The scripture talks about how that God takes away a, a heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. He gives us a heart that's, that's alive. He changes our nature. He changes our character. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, uh, you can just make a note of this. It says this, it says that, that old things pass away and all things become new. That we get a new character, that we, that we become a new living person. Once spiritually dead, now spiritually alive. Once bound in sin, one bound and lost and hopeless, and now we, we're a new person. We get a new nature. And in this new nature, <coughs> excuse me, we begin to... Um, to live, we're actually kind of programmed to live and to grow and to, and to develop and to mature in, in an atmosphere of the love of God. You see, we, the Bible says when you're born again, it's like being a newborn babe. And God says, no matter how old you are, that you get a fresh start. But that fresh start, that's the beginning point. That's not the ending point, it's the starting point. So the point of that is that then, then from that point, <coughs> there should be some maturing, there should be some growing, there should be some developing that takes place in our lives, amen? You agree with that? Y'all look to your neighbor and say amen while I take a drink of water, all right, so. So, we give our lives to the Lord and we start on this journey, we start on this process, and, and this maturing begins to show in the change of our nature, the change of our character, how we, how we begin to, what comes out of our lives, what goes on in us, but also <clears throat> what comes out of us. We begin to give our time to the Lord. We do things like coming to church, I'm, I'm letting all the cheering and letting all the shouting and yay, we get to come, yeah. I'm letting all that quiet down in my mind. That's going on right now. Y'all you know, don't have to persuade it. So we get to do things like coming to church. <clears throat> come on, one more time. We get to do things like coming to church. <clears throat> we get to do things like, like uh, we get to, right? <clears throat> we get to build relationships with godly and wonderful people. We we get to, um, to, to give God our time, we give God our, our energy, we, we actually, we give him our lives and we understand that the only reason we're alive is because God has done something in us and so then there's a transformation that's going on and we begin to understand that our lives aren't ours but we're actually stewards of our lives. We're kind of managers of our lives, amen? Do you understand that? that that, that, that our lives are not ours, they're his. And he says, here, I'm going to give you your life to manage. And so we, we grow, we mature, we become more like Jesus. And these characteristics, these traits continue to increase. One of those traits is manifest, is talked about in the scripture here in Luke chapter 10, where it says, love the Lord your God. Folks, I want to tell you that one of the things that, that begins very small in our lives as Christians is, is a love for the Lord. And as we know God more, our love for him grows. As we experience him more, our love for him grows. Amen? I mean, as we watch him not only forgive our sins, but, but heal our bodies and protect us and provide for us and and bring amazing relationships into our lives, then, then our love for him, it, it grows and it develops. And, and, and out of that love, in John chapter 14, the scripture says this, Jesus says, if you really love me, then you'll obey me. 
Now, I think that in our hearts sometimes when we hear this, everybody, everybody draw in close here, okay? When we hear that word, if you love me, you'll obey me. I think sometimes they're kind of like, wait a minute, obey? How do obey and love go together? And we, we feel almost a little pushback in our society and in our culture because we don't realize that what he's really saying there is, is that I, that I love you so much that, I, that I've done everything I can possibly do for you to make your life better, to give you things that you could never get for yourself, that you could never experience for yourself. And so what we find out is that, that we want to obey him. We want to do what he says because we truly believe that he loves us and wants better for us than we could ever want for ourselves. Now, most of us would agree with that. How many people agree that God wants better for us than we want for ourselves? I think we agree with it. We give mental assent to it. We know that that's, uh, that that's true. But, but from time to time, I think that these... Okay, you need to change that camera screen, all right, there just for a little bit, because I'm secretly trying to unwrap this um, piece of candy, and I can see up there that everybody can see what I'm doing. <laughs> right? So I was looking, you know, what is he playing with up there? What is he? I'm going to put a cough drop in my mouth, all right? So you help yourself if you'd have one, all right? <clears throat> so... So we want this love to grow for God, but, but somehow or another, I think that it, I think that, that, that this things get twisted and all of a sudden, instead of hearing that we, if you love me, obey me, we, we hear, oh man, God wants something from us. And can I tell you today that God's not looking for stuff from us. He's looking for stuff for us. And he's saying, I want you to obey me so I can pour more of my goodness, more of my presence, more of my character, more of my nature, more of my blessings into your life. Amen? Amen? Yes. And so things get twisted in our lives and, and we begin to take God, I think, at times for granted. We, we begin to take liberties in our relationship with God that, 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 that don't bring us the benefits that he really wants us to have. It doesn't, they don't, they don't bring the manifestation of who he is and his character and all those type of things that are gonna bless our lives and cause our lives to be a blessing. Somehow, I even think that sometimes, and, and maybe I'll just speak for my life, sometimes we come to a place where we lose our thankfulness and our appreciation for how awesome our God is, for how much he has done for us and how much he wants for us. And, and we begin to get things twisted up and we begin to think that, that wait a minute, maybe it's not that, that God, we're here for God, but that God's here for us. I am, I think back to um, a time years and years ago when uh, Taylor <clears throat> was a, a little girl. And, um, and, and from time to time, she would, we'd get into these discussions and, and, uh, and I can remember her saying something like, Dad, let, 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 let's go for a ride, or, 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 or Dad, let's go get some ice cream, or, and, you know, let's do something then, and I'd say, no, babe, we're not doing that time, and then she'd go, Dad, if you don't take me to get some ice cream, I'm not going to let you give me kisses. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> oh, I'm blessed, it's my... I get the honor of giving you kisses. I get the honor of doing things for you. Um, 
I'm sure those things have changed wonderfully and that's not still how things process in your home. (coughs) Praying for you, brother. But, um, (laughs) But you know, it really should, it really should be the other way around, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it be the other way around with God when it's like, God, I love you so much. You've done so much for me. I I think we should be people who are so filled with praise for him, so filled with appreciation for him that we just can't praise him enough. Amen? Amen. I I mean, I'm thankful we cut service short today. We're cutting, you know, I'm going to cut some things out, maybe. And... um, but, but, you know, but man, could we ever praise God enough for what he's done in our lives? Never, never. I think that's going to be the amazing thing about heaven is to get to hear the stories and the testimonies. And, and speaking of testimonies, let me mention to you that we, we are not going to have saturation tonight, okay? But put this on your calendar. Go ahead, get your phones out, check into New Covenant Church, and then, and then mark on your calendar. That, that we'll have our next saturation the first Sunday night in May, and, that's, and plan for it now, okay? Plan for it now because it's gonna be a night of worship and testimonies. It's gonna be a night of worship and testimonies, and we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to rejoice in the healings, and we're gonna get to rejoice in the miracles, and we're gonna get to rejoice in the, in the provisions of God. We're gonna get to rejoice in the great things that God has done, Amen. Don't get too excited about it. Calm down. Okay, keep it easy there, folks. All right. No, we, we want to be people who praise him. We want to be people who are so appreciative and thankful. You know, our, our, our hearts are so filled with, with a desire to please him for everything that he's done for us that, that we're, never in a, <clears throat> we're never in a mindset that says, I have to do something. We're in a mindset that says, God, is there anything else that I can do for you? God, is there anything else that I can do to serve you? Is there, is there anything else that I can do to build your kingdom? Is there anything else that I can do to, to reach other people for Jesus? God, you just tell me, Lord, and, and I'll do whatever it is. Amen? Don't you think that's the way we should live our lives? We trust him so much. We, we trust and we honor him and we appreciate him so much that our desire is to give him our whole lives, everything that we have and everything that we are, including, including our finances. So let me just very quickly just, just say this. When we tithe, when we give, we never do so because we have to. You, you don't have to do it. Okay, people, people come and say, Pastor, do we have, I had somebody yesterday and somebody today ask me, what about tithing now? What about this tithe? Do I have to tithe? You don't have to do anything to, for God. God doesn't need anything we have. Amen. How many people know he's fully self-sufficient? Okay, but he gives us the honor of being able to give back in a very tangible, in a very practical way. I think that we, um, and, and I want you to get this, guys, don't, don't ever feel, if you ever sense a, a, an issue of compulsion or being, your arm being twisted or you being pushed to, or made to tithe from me, from Pastor Chris, from this church or anybody else, you're missing the heart of the message. You, you're missing that the fact that it's, it's not for God The tithing and giving and and living a generous life, it's not for God, it's for our benefit. It blesses our lives. 
Uh, and that's why, um, that's why not only personally, but as a church, we do this. We practice this. Every, every month, New Covenant Church tithes as a whole corporate church. We tithe. We give to, to ministries locally, to ministries and missionaries globally. So, so be sure, can I say this? Be sure that in your giving, and, and, and rarely, literally, with this uh, church, with most of us here, I could just go around and pat you on the back and say thank you so much for being faithful, for being uh, generous, for being a liberal giver. Thank you for, for, for showing your generosity, not just in your tithes, but in your serving and all that you do. But, but I, but I want to be very um, specific. As Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9 says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Listen to this, verses before and after verse seven say this. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, anybody wanna have all sufficiency in life? Everybody wanna have everything you need? Okay, in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He is distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And listen to this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and the increase of your righteousness. You know what? God lets us give so that there can be an, a return in abundance to us so we can give more, so we can have more seed, so we can express more faithfulness, more generosity. That, that's the kind of life I want to live. Uh, Yvette and I normally <clears throat> take our, our tithe checks our, and we stand back at um, the tithe boxes. Maybe a surprise for some of you, but we have a tithe boxes at the back of the church on the walls there. And, um, and we, we, we go and, and we have a time of worship as we give and we give our tithe. This morning I told her, I said, hey, give me the tithe check. I want to, and we prayed in the car and we thanked the Lord and we, Man, God, thank you for your provision. Thank you, God, for all that you've given us. I'm telling you, anything that we have, anything, ability that we have, any resource that we have, I can tell you that from our hearts, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it has, become, it has come from God and his faithfulness in our lives. We owe him. We, we, we could never give him enough to say thank you for everything that he's given. And so... We, we take these and we pray and we thank him for his faithfulness and we thank him for giving us the opportunity to, 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 to give in worship to him and, and to, then we have a, a, a check here for the building, for our, our 12-12 building fund and, and, and we pray over that and thank you for letting us be able to sow. Thank you. And listen, again, don't, I'm saying this not under compulsion, folks. I want to see your lives blessed and God wants to see your life blessed. He wants to see it. Your marriage is blessed. He wants to see your, your children blessed. He wants to see your business is blessed. He wants to see your, your ministries increase. He wants to see your, your influence expand. <laughs> I'm getting to the end of the message here. He says, God's plan for you, God's plan for the world, God's plan for the salvation of mankind is you. It's Jesus Christ. It's the manifestation of, of him in you. So I want to see you blessed. 
I want to see you blessed. Now, I know that many of you have already today um, probably already come in and you've stopped and you've worshiped and you're giving and lots of you give online now and all that kind of stuff. When I've become that technical, we'll do that. But, uh, but, um, but I wanted to just take a moment and very sincerely here kind of at the first of the month this morning, I, I wanted to take a minute and I wanted to, to pray blessings over you for your faithfulness as, as tithers and givers and, and people who live generous lives. Amen. So would you just do this, um, just, just maybe if you have already given or if you've got your offering there, you can just hold it in your hand or whatever you want to do, or just, but just agree with me as we pray and, and bless uh, and give God thanks for um, his faithfulness in the, in the area of finances. Would you do that? Let's pray. Father, I really do come to you. you Lord, I, um, I feel like Paul here. Lord, you know my heart. And in all sincerity, God, I'm not trying to, to get anybody to do anything to make them do it. God, I want people to do that, which is going to result in blessings in their lives, result in good things. And, and my testimony and the testimony of so many faithful tithers and givers, God, is that you can't outgive God. You have always blessed our lives. And Father, I pray that for every man, for every woman, and for every boy and girl here today. I pray that, that every opportunity, they, they get to worship you in tithing and giving God, that that they get to have this, this tangible opportunity to, to express to you how thankful and how appreciative and how, how much our trust is in you, God. Our trust isn't in the social security system or the, the economy of this world. Our trust is in the economy of God. God, we, um, we put all of our faith and all of our confidence in you. And Father, I really do pray this. I pray that what your word says, Lord, that I pray that... Um, that everything that would seek to devour, God, everything that would seek to steal away or rip off your people would be stopped in the name of Jesus. I pray that, God, you really would continue just to keep the windows of heaven open over your people to pour blessings into their lives, God, financial blessings, so that they can be a blessing to others. God, that you would give increase, not so that we could live better, but so we could give better. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Y'all received that today? Amen. Amen. Next place that we grow very closely. I'm going to wrap things up here. And so um, RJ or whoever's playing there. Um, The second thing that we do is not only we grow in loving God, but but we grow in loving ourselves. You know, the, the scripture there in Luke 10, it said this, Jesus says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know this could get a little bit tricky and it could sound kind of funny sometimes, but, <clears throat> but it, it concerns me that the people of God, so many don't love, they don't not only love themselves, they don't like themselves. That we as God's sons and daughters find it very easy to look in the mirror or reflect on our lives and gripe and complain and, and fuss about about what God has, you know, made us to be. Now, now listen, I'm not saying we are in love with ourselves. Amen? Y'all, right here, is everybody with me here? I'm not saying we're in love, but we love ourselves. <clears throat> How many people think if God loves something, we should love it? Some of you think, that's a trick question. I know where you're going with this. I'm not raising my hand, no matter what you say, right? No, God loves you. God commands other people to love you. 
Bible says that John, 1 John chapter 4, we are to love each other as Christ has loved us. Amen? We, we are to love each other. Well, well how about this? <clears throat> when, I, when I think about it, here's how I think about it. You know what? I think, I think, I love what God's doing in me. I, I love the fact that God has forgiven my sins. You all may not need that, but I need that on a pretty regular basis. Does anybody, does anybody drive down South Broadway at all? Does anybody? Okay. I just wanted to know if I was talking. Does anybody need, man, I, I need that forgiveness of sins. I blow it. I miss the mark. I, 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 sh- I come short of, of things in my life. And I'm so thankful that that there's more forgiveness available than I could ever exhaust with my sin. That's pretty good. That's pretty important stuff. I, I'm, I'm thankful that he's a healer physically. Anybody ever been touched and healed physically in your life? Man, is that not something to be thankful for? I, I thank, I am so, I so love that God is continuing to grow me and to work freedom in my life and bring health in my life. And I mean, I love what God is doing in my life. I know this, I know that there are people here today who've been changed by the Holy Spirit. I look around here and I see that there are people who have been made righteous by the Holy Spirit, amen? Some of you need to shout really big because I know that wasn't a part of your past, but it's a part of your present, amen? You are righteous in Jesus Christ. Your anger, anger has, has been changed. And instead of being angry and, and just always mad, man, there's a grace in your life. Amen? And these things grow. They grow. They develop as we mature in our lives. How about this? There's been, I, I can look around and I remember people who at times, in devastating moments of their lives, there was great grief and sorrow in their life. But the presence of the Lord has come in and he's taken that sorrow and he's taken that grief and he's turned it to joy. Anybody here had that happen in your life? Yes, I love that God does that in our lives. I love that he replaces the insecurity in our lives with his confidence. I love that, that those that were, that the times I was one of those people that was bound with fear and insecurity, but God has come in and he's washing that out of my life. I love that God is, does anybody else love that God's doing things in their lives? Come on, let's give him praise for that this morning. Amen. Man, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, there's so much that we should love about what God is doing in our lives. This is, where, this is where it begins. This is where it starts when it comes to loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Can I tell you this this morning? If God can forgive your sins, he can forgive your neighbor's sins. All right? You got, a, you got a family member or a friend or a neighbor that's got some bad character and got some bad habits and they've got some addictions and some bondages and things like that. Hey, you know what? So were we, but God has changed that. And if God can change us, he can change them, amen? You know what? Our lives represent hope for the world because of what God has done in, it, done in us. Every area of our life, we could talk about it, and finances, and health, and marriage, parenting, on and on and on. What God has done in us, he can do in them. 
And so when he tells us then to love ourselves and to love our neighbors, he's giving us a great opportunity. I want to close with just a few statements this morning, all right? One is, I was listening to a teaching recently, and the guy made a statement. He said this, he said, privatized Christianity is a plague to the body of Christ. Privatized Christianity is a plague. We've said it like this for years. We've said your relationship with Jesus Christ is absolutely to be personal, but it's never to be private. Amen? Listen, it's not that difficult. It's really not that difficult to say, man, I used to have an anger problem, but God's taken it away. I was riding with a couple of brothers this week and I heard as we were talking, them talking about, well, I used to be this, but no longer. Man, God has changed me. I'm telling you, that we've, that's the story we get to tell. Another statement that somebody asked, they asked this question, not me, I'm not asking this question, but they asked this question. The question was, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them there's an answer for their situation? How much do you have to hate the person that you work with and you see the character, you see the things that are bringing devastation into their, their marriage or their life and how much do you have to hate them to not tell them? How much do you have to hate the other kids in your class? The other kids in your school, the people that you interact with, how much do you have to hate them? When you see the, their lives tormented and, and, and in bondage and, and wrapped up in fear and, and addictions and, and whatever the issue is, how much do you have to hate them to not tell them that, that there's an answer and his name is Jesus and he did it for me and he can do it for you. Final question final statement is this it just says being loving loving our neighbor is not not telling <laughs> we want to be loving to our neighbor <clears throat> all we have to do is just to tell them that you know where there's an answer for their hurts and their wounds and their sins and their disappointments and any other issue in their life you ready to be that loving person who loves their neighbor today? Amen.